Good day, nerds. This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode features a chat with Richard D. Bailey. We're talking about Pirate Cove, an insider's account of the infamous Southport Lane scandal. That book comes out on November 7th. This was such a cool conversation with Richard. This was a subject matter that I really, really was not familiar with or really even interested in, to be honest. Um, but I really, I'm really glad that I had the opportunity to read this book. And then also um, chatting with Richard, getting like his firsthand account, getting the elaboration on some of the juicy details and almost unbelievable situations he found himself in that are included in the book. But um, either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Richard D. Bailey. Today, we've got Richard D. Bailey. We're talking about Pirate Cove, an insider's account of the infamous Southport Lane scandal. That book is available on November 7th. Um, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. This is such... So, uh, you know, I'll preface this by saying that I have very little familiarity and even interest in that whole industry that was involved. And But I, I appreciated... Um, you know, you kind of breaking it down and you made it entertaining somehow and like still hooking readers into like the juicy details and also with a with a level of clarity that someone like me could kind of can easily follow along. And I I feel I like when I read a book that makes me feel uh, smarter when I'm done. So <laughs> I appreciate it. So thank you. And, and uh, we'll get into it. But thanks for being with us today. Oh, yeah. You know, about the about the book. Um, let me just say. I wrote it's an, obviously it's a personal story. It's a true story. I wrote it and I've had a lot of people say this to me. I, you know, they like the voice that I had in the whole thing. I wrote it as if I was standing on, sitting on a bar stool, telling the story to a friend, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's and, perfect. and I hope that that's what comes out because that's really what I was doing. And, you know, we can get into this later. I wrote it when I was angry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I I think those are two very good combinations to to make a story engaging. So that's perfect. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, we can uh, get started by. Can you give like a little summary of the book so that people can follow along with the conversation? Sure. Very simple. Well, actually, it's really not simple. But um, <laughs> in 2013, you know, I was 54, 55 years old, and you know, I was a kind of a journeyman. I, I, my, my job over the course of the previous like 25, 30 years was I used to sit there and fix companies that were broken um, and restructure them, things like this. So I got hired by this company called Southport Lane and they're a private equity company. They came out of nowhere. But, you know, I, I was sitting there going, well, you know, I don't know every private equity company in the world. So, I mean, you know, I haven't heard of them. But <laughs> so they hired me. Then they hired me to first. Um, go and look at a pharmaceutical company in northern New Jersey because they wanted to make a majority investment in it. Now they they were talking like they had a as if they had a billion dollars under management. Matter of fact, that's what it said on the website and everything like that. And so I went and I spent a week at this company and in New Jersey, and I was like, I don't get it. What are these guys? It was not a very good company. It lost money. Um, you know, it was a family owned company. It was a public company so it had stock traded on the traded on the american stock exchange and i i was sitting there going what am i missing why do these guys like this company so i went back and i told them that uh it was uh, they said you know should they actually alex burns the uh the the leader and and the protagonist in all this sat there and said you know should i buy this company i said no because you're gonna lose all your money and um so the story is really about how a bunch of guys commandeered, for no better term, four to five insurance companies and took the money from the, the insurance companies had on their balance sheet and just blew it on really bad investments. One of which was a vineyard on Long Island, which they hired me to be the CEO of. So, you know, after a while, I sat there and I. I was noticing all sorts of strange things going on. Like, you know, there was money sloshing around, like, you know, that didn't make sense to me. And the accounting was off and all sorts of things. And, you know, I realized that something was wrong here. And then, you know, Alex Burns checked out, committed himself to Bellevue. Uh, then after that, I was like, I had to really find out what was going on. And I wound up going to the FBI. I figured it out what was going on. 
And I went to the FBI, which was a saga in and of itself, just trying to find the right person at the FBI. And then, uh, you know, I served as a uh, confidential human source in the investigation. And what happened is we had at the end, I mean, when all is said and done, we had we had uh, four guilty pleas, three prison sentences. And Alex Burns, who was, by the way, he was a 26 year old self-described prodigy. When uh, I first met him in 1990, in 2013, I'm sorry. And Alex Burns committed suicide before being sentenced. So, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's a tragic story. First, it's a tragic story about how the, about how a couple of, of, of fairly normal guys got control of, you know, several billion dollars. That in and of itself. Then all of a sudden the FBI got involved and it was just kind of a, Burns committed suicide. It was just kind of a tragic story. It is. Yeah. It's just, you know, obviously we don't want to say he it, it's just very telling right it's very telling about like the the choices that he made and that you know it seemed like to him being found out for like all that and getting all those charges i you know that was because in the book you describe him as someone who just needed to impress needed to impress everyone and yeah, he needed, like he needed to yeah. overwhelm people he wanted people to be in awe of him all right mm-hmm. i mean you know and and the first time i met him now, my son at that time was a, you know, had just started his freshman year at Yale. And, you know, Alex walks in. At this point, he's 25, 26 years old. He walks into this gorgeous conference room overlooking Park, uh, Park Avenue and Madison Avenue, the Yale Club, Grand Central over there, a beautiful midtown Manhattan office space. All right. And he walks in. And the first thing he says to me is, I understand your son's going to Yale. I went to Yale. It turns out he didn't go to Yale at all. Yeah. You know, it's just. He just yeah. overwhelmed people. I don't. Yeah. That's just a part of that kind of personality that I'll just never understand. I think, I mean, obviously it's, it's, he probably was like a, um, undiagnosed narcissist to an extent or had some, something going on where yeah, that, that well, him. I, like he couldn't help himself. Yeah. In, in, in the coroner's report, which I have, um, they said that he had a history of Asperger's disease. Right, right. But you want to know something? That first time I met him, when he was talking about Yale, the first thing that's going through my mind as I'm trying to sit there and process, okay, how do I respond to that? In the back of my mind, I'm going, good Lord, I hope my son doesn't ever act like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. That's just like, yeah, it's just, you just kind of go home and you're like, okay, listen here. Like, <laughs> kind of have to like humble him like every chance you get almost, right? Like, <laughs> now, 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 now my son humbles me. So, you know. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, so what? You're publishing a book. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, kind of piggybacking off of that, what, you know, after all was said and done, you, you figured things out, you, you brought them down. What made you decide to tell the story and like share the story with the world in, in book form, almost like what, what gave you that spark of interest to, to publish the story? You really want to know? Yeah. <laughs> I told my, 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 at the time, 93 year old mother. Okay. You know, when I would tell her, I told her the story, and she just kept on looking. She was a a, a, a high school teacher, uh, and she would just look at me and go, "Write it down, Richard." <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, ah, ah, you know, and she goes, and I tell her some more. She goes, "Write it down." So I did, you know, and I played with the idea of you know writing a screenplay and all that kind of stuff. But when Alex Burns committed suicide, it's actually funny because the FBI. A lead agent called me to tell me because he wanted me to know before it hit the newspapers. And um, when Alex Burns committed suicide and I talked, I was talking to the lead FBI agent. I said, well, that's the end of that case. He goes, this case is over. And at that point, I knew I had an ending to the story. So and I really wrote it as a series of blog posts. Mm. And I was a little angry because, you know, everybody, you know, the lawyers, the FBI agents, everybody, they, you know, they go I was out of work for three years after that. And Mm. now, I mean, it wasn't terrible. I mean, I I got, you know, a year's worth of severance and things like that, but I was out of work for three years. Uh, One year, you know, so, uh, and, and, you know, my whole thing was like, you know, I I was angry because, you know, I did all this. I figured it out. I went to the FBI, you know, I went undercover for the FBI. um, And I just, you know, I tried, did everything I was supposed to do. 
I kept it to myself. I didn't tell anybody. And the company gets sold and I get thrown out feeling like, you know, a bit of a bum. And, you know, so I was kind of angry about the whole thing. So Mm -hmm. I started it seriously as a series of blog posts. I couldn't figure out how to, I've never written a book before. I've never written (laughs) any, you know, I've written a lot of, you know, research reports and things like that. Um, But I couldn't figure out, you know, how to write a book. So I wrote a series of blog posts on Substack and they started, people started calling me. And I started hearing from Alex Burns' friends. I started hearing about some of the, from some of the family members of the people who were prosecuted. I started mm-hmm. hearing about some of the victims from the crime. So, you know, I realized I kind of had something, but, you know, I didn't real I didn't start it until after uh, Alex uh, committed suicide. Yeah, that makes sense. So, like, also continuing with that, when you were f- first going on this, like, publishing journey, and, and kind of like putting it all together. Did you have like a process for that? Was there any any skills that you had learned in like your previous career? Like you said, either, you know, writing reports or writing the blog post. Did you find it that any of those skills like transferred over to, to you kind of just figuring out how you're going to make this, you know, turn this into a book, like book form? Well, yes and no. I, I've always been a bit of a writer and I've always found all my life writing to be a great way of organizing my thoughts, what I call the hurricane that goes on in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, and writing is a great way of kind of taking measure and taking note and just kind of organizing my thoughts. And over the course of the years, you know, I've written a gazillion business plans and things like that. You know, things that I thought that people needed to know if they wanted their business to succeed. To succeed. So, I mean, so writing has always kind of been a bit of an outlet for me. Um, so when I started it and started doing the blog and, you know, as I said, you know, people began really, I heard from a lot of people, I was very, very surprised, very surprised. And so I, uh, I wrote the whole thing and in July 4th weekend of this is 2023, 2022, I was just sitting there, sitting here at home and, you know, and I sent it out to about 50 publishers. You know, and as is typical in the publishing world, I mean, you know, you don't hear from a lot of them, mm-hmm. but I, you know, got a, a response within like two days from Bruce Bortz at, at Bankrupt Publishing. Thank God for him. And he said, I like this story. So, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad too. Yeah. But that happens like so often where, you know, I mean, I'm sure you hear about it where authors just like kind of submit it and, and, you know, maybe like the no feedback is, is less harsh than some of the feedback that people get sometimes where it's just like, you know, you have, I don't know, some of the authors that I talk to, they, they, they kind of reminisce about some they reflect on some of the harshness of the feedback that they got where, you know, but they made it. So good for you. Yeah, I, know, <laughs> I, I, I received an awful, I received an awful lot of responses saying, you know, we'll, we'll get back to you in six to eight weeks, you know, and, you know, I, I'm sorry to say this, but, you know, I'm just, you know, I don't wait well. <laughs> and so when I was getting the six to eight weeks, uh, I was sitting there going, well, you know, that's, you know, what, how, how do they respond to that? You know, I, I, I didn't, I, and I didn't understand the publishing industry, quite frankly. Um, so, I mean, when Bruce boards at, at Bancroft Press said, you know, I'm going to send you, he called me like two days later. He says, I love this story. He goes, you know, I'm going to give you an advance. And he said, you know, don't quit your day job. It's not a big one. And he was right. It wasn't. Um, and, Probably not uh, what, what, what you were used to, like, <laughs> from before, right? <laughs> yeah, come on. I was in I was in private equity investment banking. I was good, used to good paydays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, yeah. And, but I was, I was very grateful that he, you know, picked it up and kind of adopted it. So, yeah. I really, like, I know, I didn't know what to expect when I picked it up. And, and luckily, I do appreciate the short chapters as well. Cause it, it was really easy to get through it, but it all, I think it also kind of just helps with the storytelling too. kind of just like help. It helps with the flow to, to break things up a bit. And I just, I don't know, like I, this like all went over my head half the time, but I'm like, okay, I could still follow along. I could still get the gist of it. There's a lot of movie money. There's a lot of money moving around and a lot of it doesn't actually exist. And it's like, this character uh burns is just so it's like gosh like how many characters are like him in the industry to begin with right or like a lot 
Yeah, yeah. I just imagine it would be like a fly on the wall, you know, like (laughs) it's just a whole different ball game and like something that I've never had any interest in. Um, I don't even know, like, and then and then after reading your book, I was like, oh my god, how many like how many people have been getting away with similar things for like decades? You know, like same answer, a lot, yeah, an awful lot. And you know, that was kind of and I. I say this, and I'm not kidding. You know, I've seen an awful lot of it, and you know, I'm kind of a rules guy. You know, yeah. and I, and I've, you know, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not like you know a goody two shoes. I've you know been on both sides of lawsuits, which you know, as I got, I was in one lawsuit when I was running a company that was a mess, and my lawyer sat there and I said, oh well, you know, and he goes, oh now you're a experienced corporate executive, so all <laughs> and I was like, okay, thank you, that makes me feel a little better, but not much. Um, you know, I mean, I was really tired of watching people just ignore the rules. And, you know, I, I, I tell my, I've told my kids this a lot. I said, you know, first of all, a morals are expensive, Mm. you know, they, they cost a lot of money if you're going to live by them. I I said, you know, you're not smarter than the rules and the laws because they're there to protect people. And they're written for people who think they're smarter than them and can get around them, you know. And you know, I just and I'd seen it before. I actually bought a company, all right, down in Florida. I can't mention the name. Um, and it turns out they gave me fraudulent financial statements. Mm. And that guy, believe it or not, wound up winning a lawsuit against me. And I was like, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, I just lost, you know eight figures, you know, my, you know, of my investors money. And, you know, and because he got around the rules and I was just kind of like sitting there saying like, you know, when, when the South Park thing, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I realized early on that something was wrong at South Port Lane. I realized that these guys were not, and I liked them all. And they were not bad. I mean, Sounds terrible with the criminals, but they weren't bad people. They were <laughs> easy to get along with. Um, and, you know, and I just was like, you know, I, I just, I didn't want, I, I really thought that it was difficult. Okay, I'm struggling with this for a lot of reasons. First of all, I just think it was a very difficult time for me because, you know, I'm sitting there looking around at all these people who are flying private jets and things like that. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, they, they, they cannot have earned this money, you mm-hmm. know, so. Yeah. No, I, I commend you for that because you definitely took a lot of risk and it it's I bet like there, you know, there's so many like hardworking Americans who feel the same way, you know, who be like who are like, how did that how did that happen for them? What did they do? Because there's people who are just earning honest money and they want we all want the same thing like food, shelter, our health, take care of our families. And it's like, you know, a lot of us are not greedy, but then it's like, how do is that the type of person we have to be to be well off? Like to be, you know, I just kind of got, I just kind of got tired of just because that they're that they're, they're managing lots of money. That doesn't make them smarter than everybody else, you know? And I just kind of, you know, I kind of, you wanted to take them down a peg, and you're allowed to swear I on did. this. So I right. feel like you're right. restraining. You're, right. you're you're restraining yourself a little bit. You could swear. You could be honest with like how you want to right, your pissed. feelings. I was fucking yeah, pissed. Yeah, you're off. pissed, and you wanted to. Guys weren't every and any better or smarter than me. Matter of yeah. fact, they didn't really know what they were doing, and that's yeah, the thing that yeah. kept on you know, that kept on hitting me in the face. Is like you know, wait a minute. These guys say they're private equity investors, and they don't know the first thing about private equity investing. I said to Alex Burns. All right. The 26 year old kid, I sat there and I said, listen, when, when he was going to, you know, invest in the company in New Jersey, which I told him not to, I said, wait a minute, private equity investing is a process driven endeavor. You ignore that process at your peril. And his response was, I know how to fucking do deals, Richard. Right. Like, and I'm like, and I'm sitting in the back of my head going, no, I've just seen two of yours. You're really, you know, (laughs) but you know, if I'm so smart, you know, why is he managing a billion dollars? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's so crazy it's because, you know, he, well, you, you know, you explain that in your book, like how he managed to 
to get where he was. And it's, you know, we, we do want to be somewhat spoiler free, keep all the, some of the juicy fun parts for readers to figure out for themselves. But I don't know. I, I think my jaw was dropping like every five chapters. I was just like, wait, what? Like, wait, wait. Like, <laughs> it was just, and then when you, when you, when you had that shift, when you decided to, to like, you know, kind of peek around and be like, who should I talk to? How do I do this? Where do I start? Like, how do I secretly sound the alarm? Right. Like it's, you know, and, and then I also found it like, I found your descriptions of the people like hilarious and funny. And cause I've like easily, easily pictured in my head. Cause I'm like starting to Google these people and I'm like, oh, okay. Like trying to, you know, you can see a picture, but then to like, imagine them kind of like animated, right. Like in right. real time and like how they act, how they carry themselves. And I'm just like, um, like, you know, I, I just like commend you that you're on the right side of it and that you were like, you decided to just, you know, risk it all to put yourself out there and to just to kind of see where, to see how, how to do it and how you could do it. Cause it was, it's just like a feat in itself. And I just commend anybody who can like, who know what they're doing and who could, who have like a, a moral compass, right? Like there's are like so few and like, you they're very rare these days i feel like where but i you know on the other side of it i could see where people are coming from where they're just kind of like well fuck it like i'm just gonna do this i'm gonna do you want to know something that's that that's that's the mindset on wall street yeah it's like you know you know if i'm not gonna get in trouble so i'm not gonna pay i'm not gonna say anything about it you Mm -hmm. know and my whole thing was you know again you know you're not smarter than the rules and you know and i you know i had my principal's license on wall street i mean i worked you know for big banks and things like that And my whole thing was like, you know, listen, you know, you can't just ignore the rules by sitting there saying, oh, we'll get around that. This is how Mm -hmm. we're going to get around that. You know, it doesn't work that way. And, uh, you know, so it was, yeah, it was, there was a lot of me being kind of a cranky, you know, middle-aged older guy who (laughs) sit there and said, they're going, wait a minute, you know, these guys are doing the same thing I've seen done a million times, you know, they're just sitting there and they're going to sit there and they're going to sling bullshit. And they're going to take in, you know, tens of millions of dollars. Yeah, that's how oh, it's just wild. I'm like, what? How could the people? I don't know. I, I feel like I'll talk in loops because I'm still like, how do how do they do that? Why do they do that? How do they get away with it? Like, that's kind of like what's can. circling in my because mind. They, because yeah. they feel, listen, they feel like they can. And they feel, again, they feel like they're smarter than rules. They feel like the rules don't apply. And they feel like, you know, the one thing I've heard many, many times over is, no one will know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one will figure it out. And I'm like, I already did. Yeah, but- <laughs> <laughs> I, it, I already figured it out. You know? Right, right. Like, you know, on the contrary. I just got here two days ago and I figured it out. <laughs> you know? Oh, I'm surprised you you didn't go running for the hills. Like, but I but I mean part of it was because you were kind of like you were on it you weren't working at the time, right? Like when your friend well, I know, I, know. I, 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 was, I was cleaning up the mess of something I created, a company that I created, which, you know, so I hung around and cleaned up the mess and made sure every got everybody got paid off and things like that, you know, much to my detriment. But, you know, yeah. So, I mean, at that point, you know, when things, when I started figuring things out, here's my problem. I'm sitting there, I'm CEO of this. First of all, I'm CEO of a vineyard out on Long Island on the eastern end of Long Island. I'm living during the week in a house of 8,000 square feet in the middle of 44 acres of vineyard. I'm getting very, very well paid. And I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. I know what they're doing is wrong. But yeah, so you were just having thoughts like like, like you were at war with yourself a little bit, right? <laughs> oh, no, you're at war with yourself all the time when you do yeah. when this happens, you know? Because yeah. and you wake up in the middle of the night going, eh, you know, I'm in a... 8,000 square foot house in the middle of a vineyard. It's costing me nothing. Matter of fact, I'm getting paid really well. You know, what's wrong with this picture? Well, there's a, there's a crime involved. That's what's wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. How was it? Like, you kind of go into it in the book. Like you had no idea. You had no experience in the wine industry, wine industry or, um, what the whole process is like what's involved from from vine to bottle right or from vine to distribute no idea even. never been involved in a like you- <laughs> started off started what off were like the what were the biggest lessons learned at that part of your venture because i'm i'm a wine drinker and i and even you even mentioned this in your book like who wouldn't 
who wouldn't love this, right? Like, you know, who wouldn't love being in charge? And I I did uh, look on and I want to know, like, what, what's, how's the winery doing now? Did you step away from that at all? Uh, Yes, it was sold in 2018. um, And the new owner did not want to keep me. Um, So, well, you know, that's their right. I mean, they get the, you know, I'm the CEO. They kept everybody else. But, you know, as the CEO, he wants, you know, to be the CEO. And that's, again, he paid the money. That's his right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the wine industry in and of itself is, is a very, very nice industry. It, you know, you kind of go with the roles of the, uh, of, of, of the seasons and things like that. You know, there's a growing season, there's a planting season, there's a harvest season, there's a, you know, a pruning season. And, you know, it's a very nice industry. Nothing happens quickly in the wine industry, you know, which is nice. And, you know, it's also bad that nothing happens mm-hmm. quickly in the wine industry. At that age, when I first got involved, I'm sitting there going, you know, this isn't a bad way to end up. You know, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, th- I know, because I think about that, too. Like, oh, wouldn't that be like a cool industry to get into? But then when you started describing, like, all the people involved, like, buying the grapes and then working with the processing uh, facility. Yeah, you don't um, make a lot of know- money doing it. Yeah. You have a, nice, yeah. You have a, very, you have a very nice lifestyle. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I know. I'm like, uh, I don't know. Cause I'm like, I, I have a full time job in marketing. And even then, I'm kind of like, I, I don't know. I have a tendency, I, I was used to kind of just bouncing around because you have, you can transfer those skills in like a lot of different industries. Yeah. But that's, that's the downside of it. Cause you're kind of, sometimes you start from ground zero, you start from scratch where you just like have a, you, as long as my employers know my, give me a, a, a generous learning curve, but it sounds like you didn't really have one, you know, like your no, learning curve, you no. kind of had to like figure it out and, and hope you didn't get burned that's, too badly in the process. That's kind, of, that, that's kind of fun for me. I yeah. Mean, okay. There you go. <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've done it in the steel industry, the semiconductor industry, the wire industry, the yachting industry, uh, obviously the wine industry. And now I'm doing it in the waste to energy industry. So, okay. Okay. What does eight waste energy entail? Uh, well, it's a company down in Southwest Georgia, um, that, uh, takes the organic waste from, you know, which is the tough part for, um, a lot of the municipalities and things like that. And it breaks it down into a, a renewable energy feedstock. So you can actually take. So when you say like organic waste, is that like compost adjacent? Like almost. Well, like yeah. Well, or... it'd be, it would be before compost, but yeah, it would be, um, you know, your household trash. Yeah. Okay. Waste, things like that. And it takes it and it, uh, it, it's a company called Burcell Industries. It's really kind of fascinating. It's terribly fascinating. And they sit there and, you know, we, we, the machine that we have, which is, uh, proprietary, uh, bursts the cells of the organic material so that when we take it out, we can turn it into renewable energy feedstock. So uh-huh. I mean, right now we're selling, we're, we're, we're selling it to a, uh, a company down there that, uh, sits there and uses the what are called dried organics after we've run them through a dryer and things like that. And um, it has the same BTU value um, as other, like right now, before we got doing there, they were burning tires and things like mm. that. It has, a much, it has a BTU value that's much more uh, uh, eco-friendly. And yeah. Friendly. It's kind of uh, fun. We need and we need. Yeah, that's really cool. See, that's just like when I talk to talk to authors and stuff or even just like talk to when I get older, I just like as I get older, I learn like there's so much that I just don't even think about. And I'm, it makes me happy because we could use all the help that we can get to get rid of like all this waste and, and oh, yeah. you know, and oh, turn yeah. it, turn it into things that we can use. It's not going to do cause more harm than, you know, than good. So no, that that's awesome. That is pretty fascinating. I'm like a lot of I don't know. Like a lot of, uh, I would imagine a lot of science involved in that, but who knows how long they've been working on. Yeah, I don't do, the, I don't do the science. Yeah, part. right. <laughs> I, 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 do the, I do the business part. I don't do the science. Part. There you go. There you go. You're like, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I would sit there just like in awe, like not understanding anything. Kind of like when, when reading this book, I was like, okay, I'm going like to step out of my comfort zone. But like I, like I said, I like reading books that make me feel like I'm smarter when I'm finished. And then also, it's not like I want to, but then I'm thinking like, like, have I been missing out? Should I be investing? I'm like, obviously I have like a, a retirement plan, but that's like the bare minimum. Whereas like my husband, um, he has like stocks and stuff. Cause his parents, like his dad was really smart and planned ahead. But I'm like, like, should I, should I be doing something here? Like, am I missing out on something? I probably should be looking into 
some sort of law like longevity like like (laughs) financially sound longevity like i my my father and my grandfather were in that business you know uh going back almost over 100 years and uh because my father's 102 so oh wow um, yeah yeah that's Um, wild but yeah so i mean you know just the finance side of it came kind of easy, easily and naturally to me. Yeah. You kind of grew up and, and you probably like, I mean, if you, you grew up with those, um, like the, you know, not just the like parents in the industry and like, right, like the family members in the industry, but then also I'm sure there's like some hereditary traits that allow you to think, to get yourself in the, in like the thinking process and like it. Well, you grow up talking the about the dinner table. I mean, you, right, know, yeah. I mean, you really do. I mean, you know, <laughs> So. Exactly. Oh God, that's so. I don't know. That's really cool. Like where you, you know, where people end up sometimes. Um, so you know, kind of hopping back into the to writing it or whatever. Was there any research involved, like in in the whole and you know, not after kind of like the writing part of itself. Obviously, the whole your whole job, the whole reason why you found out what you did was because you were researching right <laughs> like because right, yeah. you were digging into it so with the with the publishing side of it like when they, it came time to putting this book together um or putting these words together piecing everything like like was there any more research involved like did you have to look anything up or, or like jog your memory or was it kind of all just like you had it all in your brain and you were writing it down because your mom told you to <laughs> like mm-hmm. and then you just made it you just made it happen like how how did that go for you like, was there any like there any research involved and like did you kind of well, approach first it? of all yeah I, I am an assiduous note taker and um you know so all when i started at southport lane when i started the company in down in georgia you know i have books that i keep notes and daily notes and things like that so because, you know, and, you know, sometimes it's just a list of things I need to get done the next day. Mm. A lot of times it's like, you know, questions that, you know, I don't understand. Um, so when I started writing, you know, and as again, I said, I was actually I was kind of angry when I wrote it um, because I was just kind of you know pissed off that uh, everybody else had moved on with their lives. And I didn't, you know, I, yeah. was right, I was right back to where I was when they called me. I was unemployed sitting here and I was like wait a minute, this wasn't supposed to happen. So I was kind of angry when I wrote it. And I just, I didn't have to do much research because all I really did was tell the story sequentially, you know, and again, and, you know, if you look, if you look at the book, it's really just a series of blog posts, which is what I did. I put them on, on Substack and, yeah. you know, and, and that's really what I did. Um, yeah. And when I got, you know, when I, when Bruce Sports at Bancroft Press, you know, God bless him, um, you know, sat there and said, you know, I want to publish this. Then, you know, we started to sit there and tinker with it to make it more sense, you know, to kind of make it more of a, of a story arc and things like that. But prior yeah. to that, yeah, it was just a series of angry blog posts. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, though, because people can rant and, you know, people, it's therapeutic. Writing is therapeutic for sure. Um, but well, yeah, it, 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 to make it, it like it, it, it it, to make brain. it entertaining is like a huge, it's a whole, that's, you know, that's a whole nother thing. Well, thank you. Um, as I, <laughs> as I said, I always, you know, I, I, I wrote it as if I was telling a story, sitting on a bar stool, t- telling a friend, but cause you know, a lot of times, you know, I would sit there and tell people, you know, this story and they'd be like, no, yeah, right. Get out. I said, yeah, this 26 year old kid. Took over like a couple billion dollars worth of insurance companies. He's, you know, blowing it like mad. I went and took me a year and a half to get to the FBI, you know, <laughs> and people were like, you really did that? I'm like, yeah, I did. You know. Yeah. <laughs> to cross that off of your bucket list, you know, just worked. Yeah. 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 <laughs> work yeah, undercover yeah. for a hot second. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was two years actually, but no. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so what, this is a two part question. What were the most challenging parts? to write, or I should say, um, of this whole, you could, you can blanket term into the whole experience. And then what were like the most enjoyable parts? That's a great question. Those are two great questions. Uh, the most challenging parts was wrestling with the fact. All right. I haven't talked about this ever. Um, the most exclusive challenging. <laughs> yeah. Well, the most challenging parts were dealing with, you know, are you a snitch? Because I, you know, wore a wire into these meetings and things like that. 
and and writing that and you know i don't believe that i was frankly and i i do say this in the book that you know a snitch is someone who you know participates in the crime and then you know goes to the cops and tries to rat everybody out so he can get a other a lighter sentence you know but i i wrestled really really hard with that um and i still do yeah to be quite frank um you know, I still worry. I mean, when people get out of prison, you know, they're going to show up at my doorstep, you know. Um, so I, I do worry about that was the hardest part to write. And it was the one part. And, you know, in my blog posts on Substack, I didn't write about that part. Mm. You know? And I actually had to go to the FBI and talk to them and say, listen, what can I say? What can I say? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so that was the most difficult part to write. The most enjoyable part to write. You know, I mean, this is going to sound kind of silly. I go off into all these little, I veer off into all these little conversations about my family, my upbringing, you know, which that was kind of fun. You know, I mean, yeah. everybody's had an amazing upbringing. And, and I just, you know, kind of felt it was neat. And my mother loved it. You know, she just thought it was kind of fun to sit there. And although she would call if after I published something on Substack, she goes, no, lovey, that's not exactly what happened. If I... <laughs> My mother talks like Mrs. Thurston Howell the third. So, um, and, you know, so, but that was kind of the fun part is kind of telling my family story, you know, I mean, talking about my wife, my kids, things like that. That was, that was, yeah. kind of neat. but you know, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, I still struggle with the other part and I, I struggle with it every day. Yeah. I guess that's the price you pay though. Like when you balance it out or, or you look back, you wouldn't change a thing, right? You would, you would do it again and again. I do it again. Yeah. I do it again because, and, and I got asked this by, um, Bo Deedle, who's become a friend in his number two, Mike Cervolo at Bo Deedle and Associates in New York. You know, Bo's an actor and famous cop in New York and things like that. And they said, would you do it again? I said, yeah, because, you know, I think my whole motivation was I didn't want to be on the wrong side of this. I knew, I, I knew that a crime had, had, had been committed. I figured it out. I had the bank statements. I had the, you know, the documents filed, you know, the legal documents, you know, so I knew a crime, a serious crime had been committed. You know, I, if you do nothing, mm-hmm. you have a really good chance of getting caught up in it. And then, yeah. you know, then you're a defendant and you never get rid of that. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, my, my friend, Jeff, great friend, the guy who got me the job there. And I talk about him at the very beginning of the book. You know, I, I called Jeff one day after I you know, was driving from Boston down to Long Island to go and get on the ferry and come over. I said, and I actually spent the morning, a good chunk of the morning on the phone with the FBI, um, which I did a lot, by the way. Um, <laughs> they're, they're talky people. Well, they ask a lot of questions. They don't. Talk yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I sat there and, and I said, Jeff, um, I'm going to tell you something because he was the president of South Portland at the point at the time. I said, you know, you need to be on the right side of this. Would you be willing to talk to the FBI? He's like, you're talking to the FBI. I said, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and, but, and Jeff's a good friend for 25 plus years, you know, and I said, Jeff, we need to be on the right side of this. Something's really bad here. And I told him what it was. So like, you know, a, a big part of it is, you know, I just, I didn't want to be on the wrong side and it's really easy to sit there and say, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. He didn't talk to me. You yeah. know, things like that. But that's just, you know, I want I wanted to make sure that and as I told the FBI in our first meeting, I told them half a dozen times during that, because I spent a lot of time with them, and I told them at our last meeting, I want the system to work. Yeah. I want the the rules apply to everyone and they should be applied fairly, and I want the system to work. And maybe mm-hmm. that's naive of me, maybe that's stupid, maybe that's the reason why I'm not living in a big house down in Southampton, but you know. It is what it no, is. but I mean, that's ideally yeah, in an ideal world. That's the mentality we should have. But and it's like, OK, yeah, I don't know. I guess. Yeah, you, maybe it sounds kind of lame, but I'm just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how lame I am if I'm staying out of trouble and being honest and earning well, my, you know, Ostita, like, just like minding my own business. I don't know. And it's just yeah, it's not a bad to, thing. To, to, and to, I think to change like, the, you know, we got it, that that mentality it's not, I don't, it's not a bad thing. You know, my father worked on Wall Street. My grandfather worked on Wall Street. Neither one of them had ever gotten into any trouble working on Wall Street. I didn't want to be the first. You know? <laughs> and, 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 no, I didn't. I didn't. 
you know, and, and, and I didn't, okay. It's going to sound stupid, but I didn't want my kids looking at me going, geez, dad, you know, what did you think you can get away with that? That's not stupid at all. I got two boys and I'm already like, you know, I just try to take one day at a time. They're like almost three and, and the other one's six. And, well, enjoy I, you it. Know, enjoy yeah. it. They get older. They get older and they move away. Mine are twenty eight and twenty five. So yeah, no, I get it. I, I know that's like, <laughs> it's, I, I joke about this with people. It's like you know all the. I'm just taking it one day at a time. But what I hear from everyone, it's like, well, you know, it's if it's not something, it's something now. But even ten years from now, it's going to be something else. <laughs> ten years yeah. from then, it's going to be something yes, else. Yes, it will. Yeah, because you're can, never can... not a parent, right? Like your kids grow up and yeah. you're still a parent. You're always going to be a parent. Whether, oh, and you, you want know, you know, and you want your parents to be proud of you. <laughs> you want your kids to be proud of you and things like that. Yeah, you know, like, you know, to me, you're setting a good example. And, it was and you, never yeah. about the. It was never the money's nice. Don't get me wrong. I yeah. like the big paychecks, but it was never about the money. Yeah. If it was, then there would be no case, no book, you know, you wouldn't have, they would probably still be running around, causing havoc and being trifling, you know, they would still be doing their thing if, if, you know, I, no, I get it. And it's, but I think, I guess it's easy to like, kind of struggle with that, having that mentality, having that, like, you know, that moral sound, morality, like. It, I kept growing up in that industry and like, or not growing up in the industry, but just having a, like your years of experience, um, your career in that industry. And, and also with your, your family members, um, your dad and your, and your grandfather growing up or just growing up, hearing about that, having those as, as people who are also familiar with the industry, working their experience there. I can see how, how easy it is to like, be like, well, I want to do the right thing. I, w- I want to follow the rules. It's not right that these people aren't following the rules and getting away with it. I can understand how that might make you feel lame because that, it seems like it goes totally against the the general vibe, the general mentality of everybody else. You know, like yeah, I can totally and, and, see and, and, that how you're going against the grain and you feel like you're the lame one. And and Megan, I had, I, I had seen it dozens and dozens of times over the previous 30 years, you know? And always, it was always the same thing. Nobody will know. Yeah. No, nobody will find out. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. I don't. I don't want to live with like looking over my shoulder. Yeah. Exactly. So. No. It, I, absolutely. You just like get paranoid or have anxiety by just being like, okay, I know this. Who knows that I know? How much do they know? Like, what do I know? Do I really know anything? Well, like, it's, I can that, just imagine. By the being... way, that by the way. <laughs> was on steroids during the whole time when I was going undercover for the FBI. Yeah. And it was like... The people um, who you were, like, trying to get caught on tape, like, what do they know? Are they... And then you're trying to hide from the fact, and then you kind of got caught a little bit, right? Was, yeah. Was it like... Was yeah. Well, <laughs> because cool, I think you're, you know, like, you're one of your, your CFO or something makes caught a piece of mail that... Yeah. Which, <laughs> that yeah. kind of the jig which is that, up. Which, which, which came from a law firm saying... Uh, you know, 45 minutes discussing FBI sting operation with Bailey. And he walks in, he looks at me and goes, what's this? Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. I guess I got to tell people what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that, but by the same token, when I actually did it, and this is kind of a weird kind of personality quirk, I think when I actually did it, when I walked into the buildings, when I was wearing a wire four or five t- different times, it was kind of fun. <laughs> it's so funny i think that it, it it's i can see how that could be fun once you're like you are so focused yeah every single little like you know nerve in your body you're completely you're so alive yeah you know? yeah like once yeah. i feel like once you've got like your kind of script like memorized and you could kind of pick up on that i feel like yeah like that part you can kind of com- have have confidence with it's like yeah. once it's set into action, you're just like, oh, okay. I don't, but you <laughs> know, in, in, and again, I'm not sure I said this in the book. I don't think anything I got from these guys wearing a wire and like that had anything to do with the crimes. Nothing, you know, nothing like inculpatory. I think everything that I that I got that actually helped them or helped the law enforcement, and the FBI, kind of prosecute these guys was all the paper trail that I found. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. I think, you know, with the whole uh, catching the audio, they just kind of have to confirm it, right? Like confirm in real time that it's still happening. Right. And, you, like, know, you know, you're sitting there going, well, okay, how can I get this guy to sit there and say this? And, you know, and, you know, in, in, in one meeting, the first meeting I was wearing a wire, I was actually wearing 
two wires. You know, and I'm sitting and I'm trying to pick a fight with hoping I'm going to get these guys out of it. Then I realized, <laughs> well, because you know the the lead FBI agent said to me, he he goes, he goes, you can get a little belligerent with them. And I'm sitting mm-hmm. there going, yeah, these guys still sign my paycheck. You don't, right? You know, so that's a so, fine no, line. I, I, and I and I did that, and you know, it was. It, 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 I didn't. I don't think I ever got anything of great value or importance from wearing the wire. However, I have some couple good stories about it, mm-hmm. and not the least of which is I am in the elevator. I, I talk about this in the book. I am in the elevator with my back to the elevator. I've got my phone and I'm texting the lead FBI agent, and I'm saying, "Coming out, not alone." At the same time, I'm 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 texting that. One of the guys is saying, hey, Richard, you know, because they had already been in the Wall Street Journal and all sorts of problems. He goes, hey, Richard, you're probably going to get your picture taken, you know, just by being seen with us. And we walk outside and yeah. but, and I and I see the FBI agent and the IRS criminal investigation guy over there, you know, and they've got the big camera pointed yeah. at us. I'm like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> So I'm like, and you know, at that you, point, you're like, oh, my you God, does knew. he know? Like, what is he, you know? I know. Oh, I know. my gosh. I know. You start worrying about that. And I'm like, if he only knew. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's those are the parts where just like, you can't make this up. Like, right? Like, this nope. is like, the ha- it ha- it's, that's wild. I That was one of the funnier parts of it. But at the, I mean, it's funny now, right? But at the time, you were just like, oh, like. I got in the car afterwards and I say this in the book and there was, you know, I played football in high school and, you know, and and, and I played lacrosse in college. You know, there was a, there was an exhilaration in doing it that I kind of liked. You know, I got in the car and I was like, yeah. (laughs) Like when you, you you take the wires off and you're like, oh, I can talk. Like, Okay. okay, and 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 just just because this is the one question, and I add this question, they're not wires, you know. They can okay. be they 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 can be a tie clip. They can be you know a, a, yeah out of your phone or something like that. It's not yeah. wires. It's not, it's not like you see in the movies where like you know they're they're sitting there. You open up the shirt and there's the big yeah know, right microphone. You know. <laughs> Or like Nothing you're messing like with the shirt and you hear the audio of like the scuffling, yeah. like, no, not quite. They've, yeah. they've gotten a little more sophisticated than they that. are a little more sophisticated. <laughs> Although I did ask them that. I said, you're gonna have to shave my chest when you put the yeah. wire, you know, and everybody broke up laughing like, like oh, you and then I, went with my child, child. I said to myself, God, I'm an idiot for that. <laughs> it's like, oh, like, it's like, no, no, sir. <laughs> it's like yeah. a sweet summer child. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so what do you hope readers get out of this story? You know, I always thought like the crux of a good story is putting an ordinary person in extraordinary circumstances. And that's really what happened. Um, because I was that ordinary guy, you know, um, and I, I hope they, you know, I'm not trying to get any big grandiose message outside of, you know, listen, you can get in a lot of trouble by cutting corners and breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. You know, and as far as, you know, any any other takeaways, an ordinary person can do it, too. They don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, you don't have to be extraordinary to do something like this. You just have to do it, you know. And, you know, yeah, did I wake up a lot of times in the middle of the night and go, oh, boy, what am I, what am I getting into? Did my wife look at me? I love her to death. Did she look at me and, and, and sit there and say, you know, do you know what you're doing? And my response was, <laughs> oh, yeah, I had no idea what I was doing and getting into you know, so. You know, the takeaway is sometimes extraordinary things happen to you and you can do it. I love that. I I, I love that. And it could, that could transcend to like almost any situation that you find yourself yeah. in. Just like you can do it. I know yeah. it's going to, it's going to suck and it's going to be hard yeah. and you're going to be in over your head, but you could do it. My right? youngest son has a t-shirt and on the front of it just says embrace the suck. You yeah. Know, sometimes <laughs> that's just what you got to do. So. It really, yeah, it really is. It's, I mean, after, you know, I definitely understood that much. I, I, I had kind of that mentality, like as I got older, I was just like the, once I reach a certain age, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm still like in my mid thirties. So I like, hopefully I've still got some learning to do, but years ahead of me, but I found that the older I get, like it's, it's, I think it's like, as long as you're willing to learn and you're willing to like suck it up and push through it, it's like, you realize like, you know, you spend more energy, like you know, fretting over it or pushing back or being like, or complaining even than you do if you, you could use that energy for like just becoming stronger and handling it, even if it's just simply like 
you take a day where you're just like, I don't even know what the fuck to do. Like I'm let's take yeah. a, take a breather, take a step back, figure it out kind of thing. And when even just being a parent just kind of expedited that, like just amplified that tenfold where I'm like, you know what? I'm just accepting the fact that I don't know. You know, my kids remind me every day that I don't know shit. <laughs> like, you know, it's oh, like, that, I, oh, for me, that, it's like, that, I, that, I, that, I consider that never myself stops. a fairly successful stops. person in my career. Um, you know, I've like, I'm married. I got, I've done the Chicago marathon a couple times. Like I, I, you know, I'm pretty ambitious for the most part, but I'm like, why is my why why do I sound like a broken record player trying to get my child to put his shoes on like that's like why is he not listening to me why does does he understand English like what it's one of those where you know I have a like somebody's like oh I have a PhD but I don't know why my baby's crying right now it's things like that where just like you find yourself in these situations but it and and you can't you you have to just do it you just have to get through it somehow. You just have to do it. You have to figure I, it out. I guess, you know, going back to your takeaway situation, I mean, you know, basically, if there's anything that's a takeaway from all of this, is that confronting your fears and pushing through them is so much better than just lying there being afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, and believe me, I spent a lot of nights wide awake going, oh, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and but at the end of the day, I'm glad that I did it. You know, I still lost my job, you know, and I was and I was doing all this just so I could save my job because it was a really, really good paying job. Yeah. Um, you know, and yeah, it's like, yeah, I got a book out of it. Like you had to kind of line everything up so that you you had like proof of it and that your company like you wouldn't get on. You weren't on the hook for. You know, you still wanted your employees to get paid. You still did. You still wanted control. Yeah, I lent. I lent, I lent, the, com- things, I lent right? the company. You know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not well, not at one. At one point, I was about one hundred and ten thousand dollars into this. You know, without getting paid, I was paying them out of my pocket. So yeah, you know, and that's yeah, and and that's why I said earlier. Like, I'm surprised you didn't go running for the hills. Like, you were just well, yeah. You well, well, you even said in the book that that you like a challenge or you like to fix things. So I do, I do, I do, and I like it when it's kind of messy. I like it when it's kind of nasty. It's kind of like you know, it focuses the mind. Yeah, you know, and I like to solve big problems that other people are afraid of. Yeah, just, you know, that's just my 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 burden in life. You know. Yeah, I know you consider yourself ordinary, but I wouldn't. You know, I would say there there's definitely extraordinary qualities that I think you know why the situation turned out the way that it did and how you were successful is nerve wracking and, you know, scary at times that it would have been and, and, and dreadful. It was, you know, in the end, you definitely did the right thing. And I I bet you, you learned more than you thought you would ever like about yourself, about people, about the industry, about just, just more than you ever thought you would really. Yeah. I'm not sure I want to do it again either. (laughs) Like don't don't go find another fraud case where you have to. No, come, like. no, 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 no great desire. <laughs> right, right. Um, so what what advice do you have for someone who's like trying to get in this line of work? Well, if they want to go and work at a vineyard, they should go volunteer and, and get a job as a vineyard at the mm-hmm. lowest level. It's a very very nice life. Um, if they want to be in private equity, in you know. And, and work for hedge funds, they should go get a you know nice graduate degree. But if they want to go and sit there and solve really complex problems, you know, um, that a lot of people don't want to even touch and go, I'm not doing that. That's that's too messy. You know, go get a good liberal arts degree and learn how to be a critical thinker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I could see that. I could see that where you kind of like poke around and you have to, yeah, you have to look you have to learn how to look at things differently or to yeah. not just kind yeah. of like everybody like, everybody okay. comes out of, everybody who comes out of business school thinks the same <laughs> you know i mean for the most part they really do you know lawyers all think the same you know yeah. um you know so i didn't get a law degree i didn't get an mba so you know my graduate degree is actually in communications yeah um if you want to go solve complex problems get a liberal arts degree and learn how to connect the dots yeah yeah, well, I'm I'm glad that you're an advocate for the liberal arts degree because I think those those political be, science, baby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I started off with an English degree and then I got into my graduate. I have two masters, but one of them was in uh, new media studies because I wanted to learn, you know, how to do the web part of it, how the web part of right. writing and where the content was going at the time. Um, you know, like 10, 12 years ago. And then I got another graduate degree, which a uh, business analytics. So kind of like 
seeing how big data like tells a story you know and i just no, that's, that's not, how it no. goes you kind of just like you trust me i get it like i started off with liberal arts and then i kind of was like well people like where do where where am i gonna go with an english degree where i'm not teaching right yeah. <laughs> and i did i did want to become a teacher at first but then i was like i do not have the personality for this and i'm i'm but going through part of the program really was probably the best thing for me regardless of what happened afterward but yeah it's like uh, the critical thinking part and and trying just to know how to like really articulate yourself and and write for people because some people they just they know what they want to say they know what they want to like articulate but they don't necessarily know how to like get there right and so it's important for people who do know how to get there and who do know how to kind of put it into terms i, I, I think your communications well, degree definitely helped with that where you're able to to transfer these complex situations these complex like concepts and explain it to someone like me who's like what investment what capital what wall street what like where i'm just like insurance what like i'm like where what's going on but i was able to follow it and be entertained so you know i i totally get it well i was also forced to take a year uh everybody in my where i went to college uh took a year of logic yeah you yeah. know and that that never goes away from you no, that's no good for you. It's like, oh, who knows? This, this would have proven to be useful later down the line. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I was like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> if A equals B, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C. Yep. Yeah, okay, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, but, I, but I do it in my head all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so what's next for you? Like, are you are you doing anything besides promoting your book? Are there any, you know, do you have any more ideas about stories or other books that you could talk about? What's what's next? I actually I'm scratching around a kind of a similar story, um, but it's called Very Private Equity. And it's how a private equity firm can be used to as you know by, you know, the great money launderers and dictators of the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I don't know. I, that's that's something I've I've actually I've outlined it. I've written you know probably you know seventy pages of it. You know, but it may not. It may turn into something else. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. But you know. But yeah. I mean, the writing is fun. I enjoy it. There's a little bit of talk. I don't know how much is serious, but there's a little bit of talk about making Pirate Cove into a movie or, you know, a TV series. And yeah, it kind of reminds me of the Wolf of Raw on Wall Wolf of Raw Wolf of Wall Street. Um, cause that's that's kind of like or the big short. Um well yeah. Yeah. Where, uh, the big, I, I love the big short. Yeah. Um, yeah, where I'm just like, what? Like <laughs> and that yeah. just kinda like that's just kinda, you know, people people joke like, oh, like end wokeness but no like that movie was like no i gotta stay woke like i gotta like be aware <laughs> of all the bullshit like and all these other lot, like, you know there's a lot of bs but yeah, yeah. There's, a little bit, there's a little bit of talk about that um obviously the writer strike the actor strike you know kind of puts a crimp in everything yeah um but you know we'll see that's probably you know let's see how it does it's coming out november 7th the book i, I know. you know just from you know i wouldn't say read your reviews i think a lot of authors say don't read your reviews but from what i've seen so far um it's it's looking very good, looking very positive where people are kind of saying the same thing. Like I can see this, I don't know when it's going to happen, but I can see this happening, like going to either. Yeah. Like film, like another medium of entertainment. So um, no, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you for sure. Cause I, I can't, Thank you. I, I would love to see what anybody does for that does with that really. <laughs> it's a good story. It, it, it's a good story. It's, you know, it's an honest story and, you know, but it's also a story that everybody, you know, that's, it resonates with everybody. I mean, you know, some guys just BS their way. And, you know, there's the whole, I mean, I look at this thing with FTX in New York, you know, with Sam Bankman Fried and everything like that, you know, it's, he's, it's not dissimilar. Yeah. He just did it, you know, with a, another, you know, decimal point. Yeah. You know, that yeah. Alex Burns did, but you know, I mean, and, and guess what? It's going to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. It seriously is. Cause that, all those guys, I have a feeling they just think, oh, well, it's, they got caught because they're stupid. You know, like I'm not, I'm not right. caught. Right. And that's the mentality. You know, nobody's yeah. going to know. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I love this. I, I really enjoyed this book, Richard D. Bailey. Um, do you work, uh, where do you have like a website or social media? Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at rdbailey.com. The website actually just came up last week um at social media i think my twitter is 
at RDB hyphen, no, at Bailey I underscore RDB. Um, <laughs> same thing, uh, same, same one at uh, Instagram. Yeah, just, well, you know, we'll I'm not a big, you know, I'm not a big social media person, but you know. Well, when you put out a book, you kind of got to, kind of got to get in there, right? <laughs> yeah, there is a, there, there, there is a uh, shameful amount of self-promotion that goes on with this. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the only one. This is like, well, welcome to the club, I guess. I don't know. Just <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Richard D. Bailey, uh, Pirate Cove, an insider's account of the famous, infamous Southport Lane scandal that comes out on November 7th. Thank you so much. Like I said, entertaining. Thank you, thank you very much. Like entertaining, thought-provoking. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that I, I got the opportunity, even though, you know, some of it went right over my head. I'm so glad that I got the opportunity to read this and feel free to come back. If there's anything else that you've got going on, you know, in the near or far future. Megan, you're a doll. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. And there you go. That was Richard D. Bailey talking about Pirate Cove, an insider's account of the infamous Southport Lane scandal that comes out on November 7th. Go ahead and check out the show notes for links on where you can find Richard online and uh, where to purchase the book. Follow us on social media, also the Nerd Cantina and Cantina Book Club. If you're looking for book recommendations, go ahead and hop on over to thenerdcantina.com to check out my book reviews. And if you do search for a book, you find a book and you love it, go ahead and head on over to Amazon and Goodreads and give them a rating and review. It really does help the authors out and also pre-orders. So if you're listening to these conversations in time and they haven't released yet, go ahead and click that order button to help them out too. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.